Every year, I wait for this Sunday. I wait to celebrate this Sunday. For this Sunday gives voice to the joy, the strength, the excitement that we have as Christians. We who bear the name Christian, for us, this is a scene in which we join the crowd. We sing our praises together. We sing our praises for the one who came with God's own being to bring healing and truth and beauty, to open us again to relationship with the Holy One, to break the hold of death over us. This is the Sunday in which we give thanks, full of praise for Jesus, the one in whom we know life. This is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of a week known as holy, because in these few days to come, we will remember a series of events that changed human history, a life, death, and resurrection that continues to strengthen and transform human lives. So let us worship God. I invite you to begin with me in joining together and saying the words of response of Psalm 118, and I invite you to join with me saying it responsively. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, God's steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. For God's steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Keep me burning until the break. Well, children, I, before we go any further, I just want to set the scene for you. I'd ask you just for a moment to think that you're not in the room right now, but you're on an island, a desert island, a deserted island. You've been on a ship, and it's been wrecked on the rocks. It has sunk, but you have made it to this island. There's no way off this island. It's an island, small and surrounded by great waves of the ocean. There's no way off, and you are stuck there. So what do you do? Well, one of the first things that people do sometimes is they great, get great big rocks, and they arrange them on the shore of the beach into letters, three letters, in fact. 
Letters that are so big that they can be seen by an airplane flying overhead. The letters are S-O-S. And they stand for Save Our Souls. So they put these rocks together into these three letters, and then they wait. They wait and they pray that some plane might come someday and see those three letters and save them. Well, now I'd like you to think of another scene, the scene of the original Palm Sunday. People then were feeling alone. They weren't on a desert island, but they were sad. They were sad and they didn't know how to escape. They seemed to be so far away from what was good and and they were lonely for God. And then suddenly, it's as if they saw that plane come right to the desert island. They saw God come right to them in Jesus. And they didn't shout out SOS, save our souls. They shouted out Hosanna, which means the same thing in Hebrew. Save us, save us. And it wasn't a cry just into empty space. It was a celebration. It was a praise of the one who was coming to save them. Hosanna, they cried cried out. They took branches and they waved them. We're now in that crowd. Now we cry out, not as on a desert island, not even in a city, lonely and waiting, but as ones who have known God come to us in Jesus. So how do you feel? Happy, joyous, show it to me, children. We continue now by reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately as you enter it, you'll find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and they found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Amen and thanks be to God for this reading from his holy word. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts 
be found now acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago now, one of you forwarded to me a poem, a poem by a retired teacher and chaplain by the name of Kitty O'Meara. As this pandemic accelerated, O'Meara felt anxiety and sadness building within her, overwhelming her. And as she thought particularly of her friends who worked in the public health sector, she felt helpless. She felt hope draining. And her husband told her, write, just write. So she did. And from her heart flowed words all at one go that have encouraged many in the days since along this journey. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being. And they were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced. Some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently. And the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, the people grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully even as they had been healed. I thought of Amira writing her poem in Mid-America and my mind immediately flew back a millennia and across an ocean to the year 820. Theodolf had fled his homeland of Spain as a refugee, and he found a new home in Italy where he dedicated himself to serving God in the church. In due course, the emperor, Charlemagne, appointed Theodolf bishop of Orléans and invited him to serve the imperial court. And Theodolf shared his faith-filled perspectives in sermon and conversation and writings, and from that center of empire flowed out in concentric circles to many. But Charlemagne died, and a struggle for power ensued, and Theodolf was caught in the crossfire, and he was banished to a small monastery in Angers. No more influence in empire, no more position in the church, no longer enjoying even personal freedom. Theodolf turned his mind and heart to another whose favor he knew would never fail him, whose presence no walls could ever keep out, whose promises he knew were freedom, whatever the season or circumstance of his own personal life. He turned his heart and his mind to the King of Kings, to his sure hope, 
to Jesus Christ. And in that monastic cell, Theodolf composed great words of faithful poetry that 12 centuries later we still sing. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Hosanna in the highest, that ancient song we sing. For Christ is our Redeemer, the Lord of heaven, our King. How paradoxical and profound that when he was so alone, Theodolf's focus turned to that Palm Sunday crowd, and beyond them to that Christ, riding not just into the city of Jerusalem, but into his very cell. And now on this Palm Sunday, in this corner of creation, with lives as confined as was that of Theodolf, we too look with our mind's eye and our heart's sight beyond the low ceilings and narrow measurements of our days to the Christ. And we see how this Jesus is so filled with a sense of purpose. He's compelled to live a calling, a calling to live the love of God in a hard world. He's so possessed by this calling and yet so free. He chooses time and time again to give of himself for the good of others. He's riding into that city defiant, defying darkness and violence and even death, the power to shape his life, to shape even the life of humanity, determined to open up a new way of life through life, unto life. We see him so filled with conviction and purpose, but we also see him lonely. Jesus knew that this path he was on would be hard. He knew that those closest to him would fail him, that the joyous crowd would abandon him, that the principalities and powers of this world would condemn him. But we also see him in the beauty of being true to who he is not being distorted by the loneliness he experienced, but enduring it. And knowing deep down, as he himself said, I am not alone, for the Father is with me. A believing that whatever lies ahead, and through it all, he will have the opportunity to show the love of God for all humanity. Such is the Christ that we celebrate this Palm Sunday. And such are the Christians we're called to be. We too look to Jesus, as did Theodolf. And in him we see calling accepted, love outpoured, life given and life received. We see trust and faith honored. And as we see this in the life of Jesus, our anxiety is replaced by strength, our passivity gives way to generosity, and hope arises, and healing begins. This Palm Sunday, each of us is presented with a calling to hear and engage, a way to choose in freedom and in faith, a loneliness to endure, 
a relationship with God to grow, a life to live fully and to lay down calmly and to be given back completely, a world to shape more and more into a kingdom of peace and justice in our very lives. And when danger passed and people joined together again, the people grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. Thanks be to God. Amen. And so we come to this time of sacrament. In the Scottish Presbyterian tradition, there was a custom that whenever this sacrament was celebrated, linen was placed on the holy table at the front of the sanctuary. But there were also strips of white linen placed on the backs of every pew throughout the sanctuary. It was a visual gesture of extending the table at the front to the every corner of that place and to every person of that people, all together at the Lord's table. This sacrament is known by different names. It is a sacrament of grace. It is an assurance of God's presence. In some traditions within the Church of Christ, it's known as a Eucharist, Thanksgiving. In others, it's known as the Lord's Supper, not a reenactment of the Last Supper, but a supper presided over by the risen Lord. This morning we will focus on it being Holy Communion, a time when we are in communion with our God, but we're in communion together with our God. So I would invite you, before we 
celebrate this sacrament, that we take a moment in silence to remember those who are beside us, those perhaps with whom we would normally pass the bread and wine on a Sunday morning at St. Andrew's in the pews, or family members across this nation, or brothers and sisters in the Church of Christ around this world. Let us now bring them forth to our side so that we might commune together with our God. Let us join together with generations past and generations yet to come. And let us repeat the words of a creed that sums up our Christian faith. Together we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so I say to you, to all who truly and earnestly repent of their sin, all who intend to lead a Christian life, following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, I say, come. Draw near with reverence, with faith, and with thanksgiving, and take this supper of our Lord to your comfort. Come to this holy table not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love the Lord a little and yearn to love him more. Come not because you are strong, but because in frailty and in sin you stand in need of heaven's help. Come not to express an opinion, but come to seek and know a presence. The supper of our Lord is now spread before us. Let us lift up our minds and our hearts above all selfish fears and cares. And let us allow this bread and this cup be unto us the outward and visible symbols of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to join with me in the great prayer of thanksgiving. O Lord our God, we lift up our hearts to you in glad thanksgiving. We join our voices with your people of every generation and nation, and together we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna, in the highest. We thank you, Lord God, 
that you hold this world in your hands from beginning to end, that you know each of us by name. You've created us and called us into this life. You have given us breath and blood, thoughts of mind and passions of heart, all that we might be made one with you and be your people here on this earth. In many and various ways, you spoke to our parents of old, by prophets and priests and kings. But in these last days, O God, we acknowledge how you have spoken to us by a son, he who is now our only prophet, priest, and king. And we give you thanks for the living remembrance now set before us of how in him our flesh was assumed and broken, but also raised, transfigured, and healed. And here we now proclaim with all your people that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so now, O God, we pray for Holy Spirit, that the bread which we break may be our communion in the body of Christ, and the cup we bless and share may be our communion in the blood of Christ. We pray for Holy Spirit, O God, not only upon this bread and this cup, but upon ourselves, that we might become your people, that the risen Lord might live in us and that we might live in him, that here at this table we might be reconciled to you and to each other, that here barriers may be broken down between young and old, woman and man, wealthy and poor. And, O oh God, we pray for Holy Spirit not only upon us, but upon all. We pray that this earth so dear to us might be given a new face, that swords, even now raised, might be beaten into plows, and that wars might be banished. Let gardens be planted and old wastelands renewed. We pray that our broken world might be rebuilt by hands like ours under the roof of Christ, who is our peace. We pray that your kingdom come. O God, with these our prayers, we offer and present to you our very selves. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord through him and with him and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And hear us, Lord, as we continue now in the words your Son taught us together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so we remember. We remember how, on the night in which he was betrayed, the night before he died for us, our Lord took bread. And after giving thanks to his Father above, 
he broke it. And he passed it to his disciples. And he said, take this and eat of this, all of you. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in like manner, we remember how he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to his Father above. And again, he passed it to his friends, and he said, Take this and drink of this, all of you, for the forgiveness of sin. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as oft as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death till he come again. In other words, Paul is reminding us, our Lord lives. He lives, and in him we live. The gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the spirit of the living Lord that binds us together, that binds us together across space and time, that binds us together to be the living body of the living Lord. Well, Lord, once more you have reminded us how patiently you have waited for us, how mercifully you have redeemed us, how you have set before us a way of life in Jesus. Now, Lord, strengthened, not only by his memory and his teaching and his ministry, but by his very presence and power, we thank you. In his name, amen.
now a blessing, a blessing not from Andrew nor St. Andrews, but from the Lord God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this Palm Sunday and your every day. Amen.